Welcome back to the Water and Stone Church Podcast. This is episode 75. My name is Dieter Randolph, and this is the sound of my voice. And I'm Jenny Randolph. As we gather on today, I want to say that uh, you and I just got back from a whirlwind trip to uh, Boston. Had to go there for some day job stuff, and uh, I was so grateful that you tagged along to be able to to do some some work on your amazing projects and everything else. Yeah, it was really nice just to have some quiet time and some time to think. And during the day when you were at work, I just I was in the hotel room and I just kind of chilled out and I worked and I worked on my computer and I took notes and I got to be creative. And then when you got back, um, usually around four o'clock or so, that's when we would go out and we would grab something to eat, find coffee shops, you know, and walk around Boston. It was really cool. Um, I hadn't been there no, in either. forever. I'd never been. Yeah, I well, I had originally wanted to go to school there after after I graduated from high school. So I had visited way, way, many, many moons ago. Um, but I hadn't been back. And you know, as a kid, you don't. I don't know that you remember a lot of the stuff, or you take in a lot of the stuff. Different you know, set of yeah, sensibilities. Exactly, You're not exactly. thinking about infrastructure. I, I remember when we were there last week, I thought, well, this is really a walkable town. You know, I don't think you think about those kind of things. when I you're, don't, yeah, yeah, I don't think that you do. I think that you're just thinking, I want to get away from my parents as fast as I oh, can. Please. And yeah. wow, this looks good. And you have no yeah. idea whether or not it is or not. Yeah, exactly. But but anyhow, um, uh, I I loved being in the city. It was it was really nice, and yeah. and we walked a part of the Freedom Trail. And yeah, I think that saw was some really of the neat. monuments, and we didn't get to do as much as we wanted. Um, no, to we were do, only there but... for a couple of days, but I have to say that I think that it's an amazing transition into adulthood when the idea of being just in a hotel room with a computer and nothing going on sounds like a wonderful escape. I mean, as a child, that sounds like torture. Right. And the ability to take a nap at your leisure. Oh, man. Hello. Yeah. No, right? I get it. I get it now yeah. because I'm a grown up. But I'm going to have a second cup of coffee. Then I'm going to lay down for a nap. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it for sure. <laughs> I, I think that uh, in so many ways, it was a neat opportunity to get to have that kind of time to get to see that amazing town. I, I really did love it. And as I often do, you know, as we were walking along the Freedom Trail, I found this little shop that sells, you know, Boston stuff. It was funny because there was a, a lot of juxtaposition of weirdness. Like, here's the place where they decided to go do the Boston Tea Party, go dump the tea mm -hmm. in the harbor. Here's Samuel Adams' grave. Here's Benjamin Franklin's parents' grave. I mean, right. think that through. Yeah, yeah, and just crazy. amazing history. And then next door to a Burger King, you know, or whatever. It was it was a, an amazing thing to see those juxtapositions. And the idea that, that I took away from it was, well, you know, time kind of marches on. And so among the, you know, there was touristy stuff and t-shirt shops and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, a replica restaurant of Cheers, not the real one, but a replica of the restaurant from the show Cheers. You know, well, that the kind real of one was there. It was just a little bit out of the way where we were walking. Yeah, so. but you know what I mean. The fact that they that that exists. But then I found this little shop that actually sold antique stuff and uh, really interesting things that people had handmade and and things like that. And I walked away with I bought one for myself and one for each of the kids a, a sailor's bracelet. Now, I know that they sell very similar <laughs> sailor's bracelets all over the place here right. in Florida. Yeah, down at John's Pass so for sure. So leave it to me to buy something as a souvenir that you can get at home. But as with all souvenirs, it's not really the thing. It's what you bring to it and take from it. you know. And so for me, it kind of made more sense that it was a, a piece of home because I have to say that no matter where I travel, and I've done some, wherever I travel, I am – even more solidified in my feeling that St. Petersburg, Florida, the finest city on the face of the earth, is my home. I just love this place. And so it was a kind of walking backwards into a connection. But and I talked a little bit about this uh, at church uh, before the lesson. You know, I do a little, I talk for a few minutes right at the very top of the service, just welcome everybody and all that. And I, I mentioned it because a lot of people knew we had been out of town or were coming back. And, I had read the little thing about the sailor's bracelet, and the idea is that the sailors use it to show off their knot-making skills, kind of like I'm a second-level sailor now because I can do this, that kind of thing. And so the lesson when I look down at my wrist is, you know, remember, you've got things that God gave you that you need to use. I love that. As part of the service today, I talk about the idea that it's not enough to have an idea. What are you doing about the idea? 
It's not enough to have talent. What are you doing with the talent? You know, that kind of thing. So that's part of it. But the other thing is there's a utilitarian function because they use it to, to wipe the sweat from their brow. So part of it is hard work is, is part of the deal. It doesn't have to be toil, but it has to be honest work. Yeah, okay. honest work always feels right. It always yeah. feels good. I agree. So that was, it's a nice little reminder. And it's supposed to be the sailors use it to remember they're connected to something back home because it's a knot. So that's really good. I love that. But just like I said at the top of the service, the takeaway and the reason I'm wearing this thing, and by the way, you put on your sailor's bracelet and like once you take a shower with it or whatever, you cannot get it off without the aid of scissors or something. So this is part of me until the thing falls off. So this is a commitment in a way. But the thing that I said at the top of the service, was my lesson that I see every time I look down at my right wrist is that a sailor works really, really hard. It's an incredibly challenging, complicated job. You do a lot of things, but at the end of the day, all you're really doing is preparing. And the, the motivating power is not yours. It's the wind, right? The motivating right. power comes from something bigger, something that is in some ways invisible and yet felt well, man, you know exactly where I'm going to go with this. So that felt really important to me. And it just made nine kinds of sense. And so I bought the thing, bought some for the kids. And I thought, well, this is, I get it, you know, and I'm grateful to be wearing it right now. It's awesome. And it was a fun trip. So, so thanks for, for having adventures with me. Anytime, kiddo. Now we'd like to share with you our Sunday worship service for July 15th, 2018. The title of the lesson is You Are Good, and it is number three in our Water and Stone series. So our scripture today, Genesis 1, 3, 1, right at the beginning. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Now, we're going to talk about what that means and what to do about it and all that stuff and everything. But the truth is, that's the whole lesson. That's it. In a way, I want us to be the kind of people that remember that piece of scripture and go, who am I to argue? In a very real way, this is the key to so much. God looked at all that had been made and said, very good. I love that because that's the truth about you. There are some people who say, yeah, yeah, he said that way back when, but look at what has happened. Look at all of the things that go on. Don't even get me started about selfies or whatever it is. Look at all of the things that have degenerated since then. And I get it. We got work to do. We got stuff to change and all of that. We got things to heal and things to teach and things to grow through. Sure. But think about this with me. If God can make a thing that can be ruined, messed up, broken, degraded, then what does that say about God? If God can make a thing that can get screwed up, what does that say about the craftsmanship there? Maybe we need a receipt. Or maybe we need to look at it differently. The truth is, if God made it, then it has perfection and beauty and love at its core. Yeah, sometimes we got to unearth some stuff. Sometimes we got to get down to what really matters, but it's there. What you are not going to hear in this place is that the world is inherently messed up because I am not willing to commit that level of blasphemy. Big word, but you know what I mean. I refuse to curse where I am because I know who made it. And the trick to get back to that is to get past the idea of way back when. Because think about it. We talked about this a little bit last week. God is not just infinite. God is infinity, right? And one of the things that that means is for God, it's just right now, all the time. For God, everything that has happened, will happen, is happening, is now. It's all now for God. And that means if you really want to understand the word of God, if you really want to know how to read the Bible, the trick is to realize, bless you, the trick is to realize that whatever is happening in the Bible is not just a story about history. It's not just something that happened way back when and has been translated and retranslated and edited and argued about and passed down orally like a big game of telephone. 
There's beauty in that, and there's facts in that, and there's truth in that, and there's awesomeness in that. But to read the Bible, it's got to come out of history and into present. The trick to understanding the Bible is to understand that the things that are happening in the Bible are happening now. Right now, in this moment, your creator looks at the essence of you and says, good and very good. Right now. Yeah, you got learning and growing to do. Sure, me too. But we're here to learn and grow. And the learning and growing can only happen when we start with the idea of, wait a minute, I've got some potential to live up to. The truth about you is that you are created in love. We're not going to argue about that because the Bible says so. The truth about you is that you are created in love. You are a work of awesomeness. Everything else will work itself out if you know that thing. Now, here's the thing that I say a lot. It's one of those, those Dieter things. So you're going to hear it all the time from me, but it bears repetition. You ready? Every created thing bears the fingerprints of its creator. You've heard me say that before. I probably use it in a talk about once a month or so because it's core. This is 101 level stuff. Every created thing bears the fingerprints of its creator. When you think about the things that are made, if you look at it right and really think about it, it says something about who made it, what they went through, where they were, all of that kind of stuff. You are a created thing. Your job is to look past appearances, to look past the way that things seem, to look past the rough edges and the, maybe the dumb ideas and the whatever. Okay, everybody's got that. And to find the face of God looking back at you. Congratulations, you are a detective. Your job is to dust for prints. From now on, what are you doing when you're talking to that other person? What are you doing when you look in the mirror? What are you doing when life is happening? You are dusting for prints. You are looking for that connection. That's why we're here. Jesus said, you want to do all of this stuff? Love God and love each other. That's the great commandment, right? And so it's wonderful to make a connection with people who are like you, people who look like you, vote like you, go to a cool church, whatever it is. It's awesome, that's great, but that's just the beginning. Remember, Jesus said, love your enemies. Now, let's not be the kind of people who walk around looking for enemies, but let us understand that love happens when we look past appearances and into something deeper. Love happens when we look past the argument, the, the differences, the distinctions, the boundaries, and we realize that it's not just that you and I have a connection, but that you and I and God have a connection. I'm here to look past appearances and find universal unity. That's where love lives. So look at the people in your life. The ones you get along with and the ones not so much. And recognize that your job is to find the fingerprints, to find the connection, to find what is it that you and I have in common with God because we sure don't have anything in common about Voting, economics, religion, whatever. But if you can find the God connection, you can get over it. You can learn. That's what we're here to do. We are here in the name of oneness. We are here in the name of love. We are here in the name of unity. So find the one. When you think about it, every problem that you ever had, health problem, money problem, romance problem, you name it. The problems look different on the outside, but the truth is on the inside... Every problem has the idea of separation at its core. Separation from God, separation from life, separation from love. Every problem starts with the idea of boundaries, of walls being put up. That's where it is. And there are people who think they're supposed to put up with contradictions. God is love, but I hate those people. Right? There are people who think that their job is to just get so strong that they can take a life of frustration, a life of I'm this way on Sunday but this way Monday through Friday, a life of this is how I am around these people and this is how I am around these people. There are those people who think that strength and, I don't know, maturity means being able to put up with all these little compartments. But life doesn't work that way. That's why that hurts. It hurts because that ain't how it's supposed to go great indicator of healthy living is does it hurt quit it that's all our job is to find oneness our job is to establish unity our job instead of trying to hold on to all these little compartments is just to open 
the door. What can you do today to open the door? Because that is who you are. Now, there are some people who read the Bible and say, well, when I read it, I find all kinds of evidence that I'm no good. And I said, well, let's read it together. Read your Bible when you go home or, you know, next time you check into a hotel. Whatever it is. Because <laughs> if you really read the stories, it is evidence over and over again, and we'll go through some of it in a minute, of how God feels about you and who and what God is and how all this works. And the word is love over and over again. People talk about that story, the Adam and Eve story, and they use it to justify all kinds of dysfunctional stuff. People use the Adam and Eve story to say, therefore, women are secondary. Therefore, people are born with, here's the word, original sin. You start out broken. Now, once again, what does that say about God? Don't get me started on the women thing. Think about it with me. Read that Bible. So often when there's someone who gets it, who understands the message from God, who makes the hard sacrifice, who stands up in the name of courage and truth, who knows it when they see it, so often when that happens in the Bible, it's a woman who gets it. But I'll tell you, man, when there's somebody who doesn't get it, has to be hit over the head with it, who does the selfish thing, the egotistical thing, the mean thing, nine times out of ten, it's a guy. So tell me what the Bible says about women. Think about it with me. Now, there's more to be said, but that's a topic for another time. Just sit in that with me for a minute. It is true that it is convenient theology to keep people dependent it is convenient theology to make people feel broken. If I tell you, hey, you got no choice, you better keep showing up, that is a great way for ministers to buy Rolexes. Or nowadays they finance interesting hair, ripped jeans, and purple lights and smoke machines for some reason, whatever it is. It's convenient. But it ain't true. Over and over again, the message that Jesus gives is, you're free. You are my child in whom I am well pleased. That's what God says about you. Now, that doesn't mean you have a blank check. Of course, you've got growing to do. Of course, you've got learning to do. But you can't do it till you know who you are. That's how this works. My job is not to keep you broken and dependent. My job is to tell you that no matter what, you got a choice. That's why I say that thing every Sunday. No matter what else is going on, you got a choice. But the truth is, it's not a choice that you get here on Sunday. It's a choice you were born with. That's the essence of the Garden of Eden story. Remember, if you want to read the Bible, take it out of the then and bring it into the now. It's not just a story about historical stuff. It is a story about something that is going on in you every moment, every day, right now. Adam and Eve, or the essence of who you are. Not born in a place of dysfunction, but born where? Eden. Not Toledo, Eden. <laughs> Check your Bible. I mean, apparently Toledo is holy. That's why people say that. But sometimes I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. What's he going to do? But anyway, born in this place of oneness. And you know the story. We talk about it. Once again, this is fundamental stuff. Born in a place of oneness. No barriers. They don't even have clothes on, symbolizing that there's no understanding of shame, no barriers, no separation, just right there. And when you are in this place of perfect oneness, do you have to force things to happen? Or thou shalt name a thing, and that's what it will be unto you. Things are easy when you are in touch with source. You are made out of power. You are made out of beauty. You are made out of love. And yet, being that powerful, being that, that wonderful, being made in the image and after the likeness of an infinitely powerful creator means you are powerful too. So powerful that you can screw up. It's kind of part of it. That's the deal. It wouldn't be all that powerful if there was some kind of bumpers on the bowling alley of life. You didn't really get a strike. You know what I mean? You're free. 
And part of that means the freedom to agree with your ego instead of with your heart. And the story of Adam and Eve is in part a story of that. The fall is what happens when people listen to their ego instead of listening to their heart. I mean, think about it. Love unites, ego separates. And in this place of unity and oneness, they decide, you know what? I'm going to separate out. And some things are bad and some things are good. And some things are easy and some things are hard. You know the story. God says, you can't, we don't, we're not set up for this. (laughs) This isn't what happens here. This is a place of unity. You got duality in your heart. You can't be here. Now, there are those people who who read that part. You know the part where Adam and Eve have to leave? I call it the parting gift speech. You know the part? Okay, you guys can't be in here. Therefore, these things are going to happen. It was easy in Eden. Now, not so much. You know the part. There are those people who read that as some kind of a punishment. But think about it. God's not punishing them any more than gravity punishes you if you decide, you know what, I'm going to jump off the top of the stairs. That's just what happens. You can't do that here. If anything, it's more like side effects at the end of a medication commercial. Because you've chosen to do this, you're going to have depression, bathroom problems, (laughs) dark thoughts, you know, whatever it is. I want to go into too much detail, but you know what I mean. It's not a punishment, because remember, they are in a place of oneness, and as soon as they internalize this idea of duality, One of the first things that happen is they're like, hey, oh, we don't have clothes. Shame happens when we get duality in our heart. And as they leave, what's one of the first things God does? It says, the Bible says God makes them clothes. He's not punishing them. He just gave them pants. I mean, think about it. This isn't punishment. It is an implication. It is is a side effect. It is an outpicturing of what happens in this inner idea. And so I want to make it really clear because there are some people who read that part like it's advice. I'm supposed to be mean to myself. I'm supposed to do everything the hard way. God said so. No, God said if you're doing it the hard way, you're doing it wrong. Come home. Just like the father in the prodigal son story, God goes, here, here's some trousers. The promised land stays promised. The whole rest of the story of the Bible And remember, this is about you. The whole rest of the story of your life is a story of just find a way to come home. We'll leave the light on for you. That's what it's about. That's what the story is about. And you know this because you've read the Bible. And you know this because you have experienced that wonderful thing of life where you go through a thing and you go through a thing. And every time you go through it and you get a little bit smarter, something changes and you go through it until you grow through it, right? You've been through that. There's that great quote. It's often attributed to Mark Twain. He says, history doesn't really repeat itself, but it often rhymes. You ever heard that before? History doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. In other words, it's not that you just keep going through the same thing over and over again because you learn a thing. You're different. It rhymes. It's not the same thing over and over again. Something changes, and you know that because you've lived through it. If we were going to give a shape to life, it's not a straight line. I know some people would like it to be, but those are boring It's not a straight line. And it's not a circle. You don't really go through the same thing over and over again because you change. If we were going to give a shape to life, to that wonderful rhyme, it would be more like a spiral. Because you go through a thing, and then eh, maybe you have a bad idea about who you are, who God is, how things work. And if you have a bad idea, you have a bad experience every time. And that can make it easier to have another bad idea. And that can make it easier to have another bad experience. And so the spiral can go down. Or the Bible says, do not be conformed to the ways of this world. In other words, don't be affected by what happens, but happen to it. Don't be conformed to the ways of this world, but be ye transformed by a renewing of your mind. In other words, you can get to a place where you go, you know what, I'm going to stop being dumb about this, whatever it was. And all of a sudden, a good idea leads to a better experience. And you walk the spiral up the other way. But I want to make it very clear because this is the part of this kind of a lesson where somebody in a progressive spirituality kind of church says, all you got to do is just change your mind. All you got to do is just have a good idea. You like my impression? I should have like some kind of necklace on. <laughs> you know what I mean. You've heard that before. You've read those books. And you know darn well, just as much as I do, that it's not just about having a good idea. People have good ideas all the time. 
Let's read the rest of the passage. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by a renewing of your mind so that you can prove the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, God's will for you is good. God loves you. One more time in the Bible. How many do we need? One more time in the Bible where God loves you. But you have to change your mind about it. But that's only part one. Part two is prove it. You walk back up the spiral when you change your mind and when you do something about it. That's the secret to everything. No more waiting around going, yeah, yeah, I ran over your foot, but I got such a good idea. Come on. Do a thing different. Anything. A small thing. And watch what happens. Because here's the thing about this. If you want proof that the universe is a good place, if you want proof that you've got good in your heart, there's a lot of places to look. One of them is that that spiral of life is open at the top, completely infinite. You can keep on growing, keep on learning, keep on doing bigger and better and more loving things. The fact that it's open at the top, but there is a bottom. And I have been there many times. Maybe you have too. Where we get to that place where... Can't get any worse. We get to that place where we go, okay, God, I give. We get to that place where we get out of the way. The fact that life is open at the top but fixed at the bottom is proof what the universe is made out of. It's proof that there is good here. It's proof that you are good. That's who you are. Yeah, you got other stuff going on, but that's who you are. I want you to know that. Everything changes when we look for us in a different place. Where do you look to find your you, you know? There's a lot of places. A lot of people are really into labels. You know, I am doctor, lawyer, plumber. I am a caring nurturer. I am a super mom. I don't know what that means. I am a whatever. I am these things. I'm a giver. I'm a taker. People live by the labels. And some of the labels are great, and all of them are factual in a way, but I don't care about the facts. I'm in the truth business. There's a difference. And if you have lived by an outer label, you surely know what frustration feels like. Because those things you do, they're just things you do. They're not who you are. Man, oh man, I love being a father. Oh, it's at the core of me. But I can't be a good dad if all I do is parent. I have to have a, a connection with something bigger. I get my daddy skills from being in touch with my father. And hopefully, if I really know who I am, that comes through what I do. I love being a preacher. It's the only thing I ever wanted to do. I am so grateful for this. This is my heart. But it's not the truth about who I am. Hopefully, if I'm any good at this at all, it's because I'm working on some kind of a connection with God. Because I know who I am to some degree. Hopefully it comes through in what I do. If you want to cure that weight of all of the labels, the lie that develops over time if you try to live by doing instead of by being, get in touch with who you are. Find some piece of it. You don't have to know everything. Find some piece of it. And let what you do come out of that naturally instead of trying to force things. That's important. That's different. That's key. It's a journey. You know, last week we talked about the idea that the, the idea of developing spirituality is first you start by worshiping like a tree or a rock or a necklace or Regis Philbin, whatever it is. <laughs> hey, who can, you know. But anyway, that's convenient, but inconvenient over time we grow and sometimes we evolve into this idea that God is somewhere up in the sky and the problem with that is distance and eventually we get to that place where we realize that God is everywhere and in here. Remember we talked about that. In the same way, your development of you is the same thing. Sometimes people start by getting their identity from all kinds of outer places. It doesn't work for very long. It's boring. It's exhausting. We get to this place where we go, you know what, I don't even care. My identity is somewhere so far away. That usually happens when you're a teenager or the spiral of life being what it is that is at the core of every midlife crisis. True. You go, whatever. But sooner or later, easy way or hard way, we get to a place where it's in here. Yeah, it's true that it might feel like people need you to be dependent. People might need you to be divided up, individual. But when you change where you look for who you are, if you start to look in, you become independent. You become individual. 
indivisible. There's something in you that can tell you who you are. People say, I'm supposed to feel like I'm no good because it's convenient. It means I don't have to do anything. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. It's easy. Yeah, I'm no good, therefore I don't have to try. But I don't believe in accidents. God requires you for something. It's time to get up and do something. Something, anything. You want proof in the Bible? Image and likeness. Good and very good. You want proof in the Bible? How about the part where where Paul says, did you not know ye are gods? How about where Jesus says, our father? Or how about the part where he, every time, he says this a few times, Jesus goes, go and sin no more. Think about that. He says, stop doing it. Well, if you can stop doing a thing, it means it's not the truth about you. He doesn't say, go and breathe no more. You have to, right? It's part of who you are. But the fact that you can quit doing a thing means it's not the truth about you. Don't mess up anymore. It means you don't have to be this way. You are not a sinner at your core. You are a child of God who has enough power to screw things up. That's an important distinction. So do it different. You have the power to do it different. Your you comes from a different place. But if you don't want all of that, let me give you the the quick theory. I call it the room temperature theory of the inherent goodness of humanity. Are you ready? (laughs) No, just once. Anyway, (laughs) the room temperature theory of the inherent goodness of humanity. People say, I'm a miserable sinner. I'm no good. I am meant for brokenness and misery. If that was true, wouldn't misery feel right? Think about it. If you were made for misery, wouldn't misery feel like, here's the word, room temperature? Think about it. But the fact that good stuff feels good and bad stuff feels bad tells you what you're made out of. Now, there's more to the story, but that's a great place to start. The fact is, each and every one of us has a time when we realize that I'm not happy in this like a pig in slop. In fact, that pig and slop moment of the prodigal son story is so important. The Garden of Eden story, the prodigal son story, your story, all the same story. Think about it. There's that part where the prodigal son goes, you know what? This stinks. I'm literally, I'm going home. The fact that each and every one of us has a moment where we go, you know what? This ain't home, says what you're made out of. Each and every moment, God is calling you home not somewhere far away but rather to be who you have been right now you don't need to be dependent anymore this is a place of independence you don't need to be divided anymore this is a place of indivisibility just one find the thing that makes you just one find the truth that is in your heart i don't know what you've been through but when god looks at you he says you are my child in whom I am well pleased. You can do so much. Let your growth start now. I don't know how it's going to go. Neither do you. That's God's job. Show up. Do a thing. Change your mind. Do something else. Set everything else free. Because, after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. So I have a question. Okay. You're talking about <laughs> source and things like that. Mm-hmm. And what occurred to me was if things go easily when we are in touch with source, which we know that they do. Right. The, you when know, you're and, in the Garden of Eden, you, right. you do that thing. It's supposed to, not that it's not complicated, but it's supposed to be smooth, let's say. Right. Exactly. And so things operate on, you know pretty even keeled mm-hmm. and 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 your your flow is is flowing you know <laughs> all that kind slowing. of stuff so why is it so many times and i'm guilty of this too when things go so easily when things come so easily when the way is prepared for us why are we so suspicious of that and why are we so wary and and we're like okay uh, this might be going easy now but just waiting for the other shoe to drop why do we have that response so many times and especially you know 
I always kind of kick myself a little bit. It's like, you shouldn't think that Why way. Why don't I trust Stop it. it. Why Come don't on, I trust have it? Have a little bit more faith. Yeah. Have a little more trust. And then you follow that rabbit hole down. And you're like, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. whatever. But but back to the question, why are we so suspicious of things going easily and and being in that flow? Well, why does a, it feel strange to us? There's a saying that is so common. I know I have used it. And every time I do, I end up kicking myself, maybe not right in that moment, but, but after I realize the dumb thing I said or life shows to me that that was a dumb thing. The saying is, too good to be true. Yeah. Think about how many times the average person says that. But think about it. If God is the truth, then if it's good, it is true. Right. There's no such thing, you know, and it's it's kind of a, a nutty thing to say. But I think that the concept of too good to be true and all of that sort of thing, being suspicious of the smooth thing. You know, there's a Grateful Dead song, when life looks like easy street, there's danger at there's your danger. door. There's danger, yeah. 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 And so it's it's one of those things. But I think that that concept comes from the idea that God doesn't like you. It comes mm. from the idea that we are still paying back something that Adam and Eve did, that we are still paying back, really that we're paying back, th that God made us and we're no good right from the, the starting gun. And so we ought to just pay back the fact that we exist. I want you to imagine living in a house where your parents blame you for everything. I think for some people that doesn't have to be much imagination. Living in a house where it's made clear that you're a burden all the time. Living in a house where you feel like you owe them because you exist and you're eating food off their table. You know, pretty quick it's your Harry Potter under the stairs before you realize that you've got this magical powerful wonderful nature you're just stuck and no matter what you do it's it's like company store stuff no matter what you do you end up owing more right there are those people who think that that is the relationship they have with life because they bought into this idea now the deeper question is well where does that idea come from i think that there are there are pieces of it throughout many religions there's a certainly a big chunk of it in in christianity it's not a necessary chunk but it's been adapted into christianity the idea that if you're a miserable sinner then you're never going to get over it even though that's not what we see with what jesus said it's what we see with what some institutions say the idea is if i can make you feel like you're no good you stay dependent if I can make you feel like the world is bad and get you to focus on escape, then I don't have to actually provide any answers. Mm. How come I'm poor? I'm living in a in a village where, you know, we have nothing and there's no there's a dirt floor and all of this stuff and I go to the church in the middle of the town and they've got artwork and gold and nice clothes and everything. Don't worry about it. We're here to represent heaven. You're supposed to just worry about escaping. By the way, do you have any money? You know, obviously that's an oversimplification and, you know, I'm not, it's a cheap shot, but there's a point to the cheap shot. And the point is it can keep you controllable and it gotcha. can make my job as pastor, priest, religious professional, whatever you want to call it. It makes my job a little bit easier and it's easy to go, oh, well that was, you know, in the past, but the truth is it happens now and it doesn't just happen in mainstream churches. It absolutely happens in alternative churches. If you go to a, uh, quote-unquote progressive church and you say how come things are so hard how come my life is so bad the the person religious professional whatever they call themselves may just say well it's because this world is a cruel place and you're supposed to get to the astral plane or you're not supposed to think about material things you're supposed to try and get to a place of inner peace and nirvana and there's a little bit of truth and a whole lot of misunderstanding in a statement like that because, yes, Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom, but then he says, if you seek first the kingdom and the righteousness, in other words, find God where you are and use that understanding rightly, then all these things will be added to you. In other words, you're supposed to have a happy life that works. The right. goal is a world that works for everybody, right? Jesus said, I came that you might have joy and have it more abundantly. So where does that come from? Why don't we trust it? Because we have been conditioned for a very long time not to trust it to the point where there's a lot of people who believe that smiling is almost blasphemous. 
You know what I mean? It's almost that bad in some places that, that having a joyous life is somehow not respecting all the trouble God went to to make us. And yet, right. when you look in the Bible, just like I say in the service, when God makes you, he says, good and very good. And you can imagine a smile. You are made in love. That's the truth about you. And so why? It, because it's a bad idea. You know, we've had a lot of bad ideas in the history of humanity. People used to think the world is flat. Some people still do. Oh, Lordy. People, yeah, people <laughs> used to think that women were inferior. Some people, Some still, people do. still do. People used to think that you, you should hate somebody because their skin is a different color. Some people still do. It's a dumb idea. And over time, we will get over it. Those people, the flat earth people, are in the minority. Mostly it's an internet novelty now. Right. Over time, when you're on the wrong side of history, we'll come on back home. It's okay. We become the father and the prodigal son. So we say, come on back in. Come on. In the same way, there are people who have all kinds of hate and fear going on. They'll get over it over time, and we will be there with open arms, and it's going to be okay. But the idea that existence has to equal suffering is an idea that that's time has passed. Yeah, I think so. And I think that there is... As, as you grow and you're making your mistakes and you're going along in your life, even from when you're a child, I think that there can be a real confusion about making the mistakes and maybe going down a path that isn't so good and mm-hmm. course correcting through your life because that's really all that we're doing is we're course correcting as we go. We're, yeah. oh, nope, okay, come come a little yeah. bit back, you know. And, and we all do it. It just is a matter of, how wide you know your turns are if you're going way off the reservation you have to come way back and i think that the if you watch if you could map a person's journey Mm -hmm. you know you might see you know that kind of you know serpentine shell serpentine you know (laughs) kind of a kind of a thing well you know where there's some that are a little bit wider curves and some that are a little bit smaller and but i think when you go along that path, I think the growth opportunities that you have, the course correcting that you do, gets real confused with the idea that work is bad, that um, when something hurts, it means that you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that sometimes people... Well, it hurts. So, you know, I mean, you know that saying, you know, pain is is weakness leaving the body, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that when you're exercising, sure, you know, everybody but you're knows not supposed the, to go the after idea the of pain. sore muscle. But you're not really supposed to go after the pain. You're supposed to go after the idea of being able to lift heavier weights or... Mm-hmm. Or run a little bit further. Pain is kind of the the byproduct. And yes, it is a signal to you about whether something is right or wrong. You know, there there's such a difference between having a good day's work. You mm-hmm. know, whether you're actually physically working or you're just really being creative and then you have a mental creative day and you're tired at the end of the day. Everybody knows that feeling. Sure, of course. Then just getting up and just, you know, just trudging through the mud and the mm-hmm. muck and the mire. And thinking and, you're supposed to. And thinking that you're supposed to. Well, I got to go do this because this is what, you know. Well, and I'm going to talk what, a little bit about some yeah. of that next week because next week is to go do good. And there's a big hunk of that. But I think one of the universal problems is the problem of order. Mm-hmm. Of what order do things go in? Gotcha. Of misunderstanding the cause and effect. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking one I is think the that other. That's, it's I a cargo that cult that is, thing. Yeah, right? and I think that that is really. But I, I think that if you can hold on to the idea that, uh, you are good. I am good, and I deserve to feel good. I deserve to have good. I deserve to give good back. If you can just start practicing that very simply, mm-hmm. you know, I think that you can find that you will become more at ease with the idea that the flow and the good that's coming in and you become less suspicious and that becomes your new normal. That becomes your new habit instead yeah. of the alternative. And so that's, you know, but it, it did occur to me, you know, it's like, I was listening to you talk and I'm like, hey, wait a second. Yeah, but no, I mean, I think that it's all about that causal relationship thing. I've had people tell me, well, you know, Jesus 
uh, people were upset with him when he came around. I upset people, therefore I'm on the right track. No, if you're looking to upset people, that doesn't make you a hero. It makes you a jerk. Yeah, I think the upsetting I, people may be a, a, a side effect. Maybe right, it's a, a byproduct. It's not the right. goal. And in in some ways, you know, well, Jesus wore a seamless robe, and the taxes got paid when when he did the things, and the multitudes got fed. Prosperity demonstration after mm-hmm. prosperity. You're not supposed to chase the prosperity demonstration. And if I had anything to say to all the law of attraction people, I would say, you know, I want you to prosper too. But prosperity is not the point. It's a side effect of your right relationship with spirit. Over and over again, there's these ideas. If you are a good person, you work hard. This is part of the Protestant work ethic thing. Well, some people say, oh, well, therefore, I need to have hard work all the time. No, that's not it. And you know people, we have been people perhaps, who incorporate the idea of, you know, if I can make myself suffer, the other person will like me better. I'm doing my job as a husband, wife, parent, child, whatever. No, all that means is you're tired. The cause is God. If you can get in touch with the idea that no matter what else, you're good. There's good in you. Then you have the power to bring it out. And the thing that I really wanted to be careful about is there's a lot of places you can go where they say everything's good and you're you're a child of love and oneness and just love that. And it can come off almost as snobbery. It can come off almost as a blank check to do whatever you want to do. It can come off almost as, if you really love me, you let me keep doing dysfunctional things. And I want to make it very clear. At your core is power, love, beauty, oneness, radiant joy, everything else. But your job is to show that. Your job is to learn some stuff, to grow through some stuff. And yes, to work on stuff. You're here to do things. The Bible says work out your own salvation, not the emphasis being on the word work. Because I tell you that you're good doesn't mean you don't have anything to do. Here's the quote I want people to take away. Jesus said, the Father worketh and I work. And now we've come to everyone's favorite part of the podcast, <laughs> the check it out section. And this is the part where we let you know where you can find us, what we're up to, and all that jazz. Right you are. And the easiest place is to go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com. There's a calendar. If you scroll down to the bottom of the page, you can see that link to the calendar page. You can see links to all of our social network profiles, Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and Twitter and everywhere else. It's a great way to find out all of the stuff that's going on. There's always maps and directions to all of the things that we're doing. It's a great place to start. I do want to point out a couple of specific things, though. And the first one that I want to mention is our messaging system. And if you want to receive our newsletter via text or via email, then you need to sign up for that. And the way that you do that is you text all one word, I am ready, I-A-M-R-E-A-D-Y, to 84576. And if you do that, you will be totally hooked in to everything that we're that we're doing. You'll be able to receive messages. You'll be able to sa- sign up to get information about what groups and if you're interested in that, if you're interested in volunteering at our church, that is the place to go and do it. It's really simple. It's really easy. We don't spam your phone. We don't send you tons of email. We don't sell your information, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. No but if you do want to keep in touch with what we're doing on a more regular basis, that is absolutely the way to do it. The other thing that I want you to, to remind you all is that we have a couple of YouTube channels. Now, mm-hmm. we do have the Water and Stone YouTube channel. You can find that link at the bottom of any page of the website. Um, you can also go to our Facebook page and find it there. There you're going to find all of Dieter's classes, his lessons, his little snippets of the, the Sunday services that he does and, and everything like that. But I also have my own separate channel. We've grown into a separate YouTube channel. And I now have one for this day. So if you Google my name in the YouTube search bar or something like that, you're going to find me. And it's called This Day, Jenny Randolph. The other way that you can find me is if you go to the watch section of our website. At the top navigation, any page of water and stone, there's a link that says watch you go there there's descriptions of all of the channels there's a link to subscribe to the church channel but also there's a whole section on jenny's this day show 
If you don't know about the show, what have you been doing? Come on now. It's time to catch up. This is amazing. You're going to love it. And there's an easy link right there that will take you right to the page where you can watch the videos and subscribe to them. But the most important thing is, of course, Sunday morning worship services. And they happen at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. It's not too early. It's <laughs> not too late. We really honor your time. They're, they're almost always exactly an hour long. Mm -hmm. And... It's just such a beautiful community that we are building, and I am so grateful. We meet at USF St. Pete Harbor Hall, and the address there is 1000 Third Street South. So I really do encourage you, come and be a part. Come and be in person. There is something that happens, something magic that happens mm -hmm. when you are in a group of people and you are all thinking and praying together and just worshiping together. You know, it's okay to stay home on a Sunday every once in a while. We love that people listen to this podcast and oh, get sure. there and get their truth through that. It's it's a beautiful thing. But there is nothing like coming to a church, you know, in person. That family is just the light of my life. It's so wonderful. I'm so honored to be a part of it. podcast is recorded at Pinfeather Studios on the very lovely and very comfortable orange couch. And the uh, chief cook and bottle washer of Pinfeather is the handsome and strong Raina Randolph. She edits these podcasts for us and does so many other things. She's also half of the music that you hear. She just does it all. The other half is the lovely and talented Miles Randolph. We're so grateful for them and for our amazing Water and Stone Church Band. This podcast is solely supported by you. And you know what that means. There's a lot of stuff it means. It means you can share links to the, the blog posts, to the podcast episodes, to the YouTube things. You can retweet. You can like. You can invite your friends on Facebook. All of these things are huge. There's a page on the website where you can donate electronically, where you can shop on Amazon in such a way that benefits the church. And please do that. It's easy. It's effortless. I do it all the time. There's a lot of things you can do. But at the end of the day, the only way that any church in the world grows is when people invite their friends. So come be one of those friends. Show up for one of our services. Be there for a service project or for when we go watch the sunset on Sunday evenings. Or be there, most importantly, on a Sunday morning at 11 a.m. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to change your life. It's going to introduce you to a kind of family you can't find anywhere else. And that is just the beginning.